It's time to cowboy up. Cowboy Ed is back on the air, coming to you live from somewhere. We don't we don't even know where we are. We're just somewhere out there in Wyoming. How you doing today, Joe? Doing great, James. Out here on the prairie, just listening to the coyotes sing. That's right. Uh, I, I hear them yipping out there. Uh, it's it's another great day to have a conversation about education. So today we get a chance to talk about research and high impact strategies uh, that when we hear that term, maybe not everybody jumps at it. Maybe not everybody knows what it means, but that idea that can support teaching and learning across the spectrum now, today, and into the future. It's kind of those like true things that we've talked about in Cowboy Ed, those things that get, get passed down from one, one generation to the next, just great skills. Uh, it's safe to say, Joe, I don't, I don't think teachers are necessarily born. I think they're made. What do you think about that? Yeah, I tend to think so, man. You know, typically most of my pre-service teachers are the oldest sister or oldest brother in a line of two, three, four, uh, five children. And I think, uh, they learn by watching their parents and then they learn by watching their teachers and they, they act as teachers for their younger siblings. So a lot of that uh, actually has some uh, research behind it as well, man. Yeah, that makes me laugh because I think about being the youngest and having lots of older teachers teaching me. Um, and uh, actually a couple of those, a couple of my older sisters are, are in the teaching profession. So definitely it's a learned trait. Uh, I think if, if we, everybody's honest about it, my, my first year, I thought I was a great teacher, but if I went back to that first year, I know the little things here and there, those, those strategies between then and now, or I feel like maybe I let those first couple years down, first couple years of classes down, uh, even though I was giving it my all. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. I actually think my first two and three years were pretty bad. Although I thought I knew everything, you know, and I was uh, giving every giving everything my all and uh, really thought, you know, my students were learning a lot. And I think they were. But I think there were lots of nuances uh, that I I definitely had some errors in there and fortunate enough to uh, kind of change positions after year three. Uh, and I was able to start over and reflect. And not all of us have those opportunities, but um but I think it's uh, those first couple of years are definitely the trial and error learning experience. For sure. And I think, you know, when we talk about education, uh, obviously Hadi, Marzano, different names uh, come up all the time. And, and for me, I, I guess I think one of those things that is real apparent in education is a lot of teachers are coaches and a lot of coaches teach different than they coach. And that's always been a really interesting piece to me. Uh, most coaches are, are, at least most coaches in my experience are amazingly detailed. And from scouting to practice plans to knowing how many times a kid might dribble a ball with their left hand or look right. Uh, and then we don't, those same coaches sometimes we don't apply that same strategies in, in the classroom. And so it's always, it's, for me, I know as a coach, that was kind of my aha moment that you're talking about there, Joe, the idea of, wow, I impact a lot of kids in classroom, a lot more kids than I do on a basketball or football field. 
So can we teach like we coach? So yeah, just we're, we're going to have a fun one today. We got lots of good stuff to talk about, Joe. And, and let's, let's kind of take right into a couple of those ideas. So in, in most of your educational research, we, we hear about the focus. And so maybe that goes back to that coaching plan, that idea of what you're going to do. So that clear focus and, and communicating your learning targets. That's one of those catchy words today in education, learning targets. So how important are learning targets to new teachers, to old teachers, to classrooms? What do you think, Joe? Yeah. So, you know, Hattie, you mentioned John Hattie and uh, Richard Marzano. Um, those are the two, you know, really big names in teacher professional development. We're typically exposed to those ideas a little bit early on in pre-service teacher education, maybe in our assessment class. Uh, that's the first time we kind of hear, you know, hey, you got to put the, the clear learning targets on the board. And, you know, as a pre-service teacher, sometimes you think, well, you know, we talk about it, but I've been in classes for 13 years, you know, and I've never seen a teacher put the learning targets on the board, or I had random teachers put those learning targets on the board. But I have to tell you, you know, the research really is clear, and both Marzano and Hattie agree uh, that communicating student-friendly learning targets is, you know, that first step in reaching all of the students. You know, you make sure they're aligned with your standards. Uh, you offer some opportunity for challenge in there. Maybe, maybe you really do create those essential questions, you put those on the board. Um, and, and what this is about is, you know, when kids go home and, and parents say, hey, what'd you learn in class today? Instead of saying nothing uh, or start talking about recess or lunch, <laughs> they actually have something to say. Hey, we learned about, you know, this principle of trigonometry or, you know, we were trying to answer this question, you know, what's the uh, what's the best uh, political party out there or something like that, right? Um, so expressing those clear learning targets really sets the stage for learning and primes the pump. To me, I think this is such a great conversation because I really do wonder about the, the learning targets and how authentic they really are for, for students because they, I, I do think they're getting more and more conditioned to, yeah, this thing's on the board. Yeah, I'll look at it. I don't know. Uh, maybe I like the topic. Yeah, I don't care about it. I'm going to worry about this. And and I wonder if, if there's a body of research that talks about the learning target being shared at the end of class. The learning target being the teacher knows the learning target. The teacher's leading, leading them, not pouring out knowledge, but leading them on that educational adventure. So if it's maybe not you use trigonometry. If I walked into a class and saw, well, we're going to learn this formula or that formula, I, I might be, I might have checked out in high school. I might have been more worried about, I don't know, anything else. But if you led me to it, and about the end of the class, that learning target suddenly is made available. Uh, we get to look at it. We get to see it. That, that idea of leading them into it versus here it is, we're going to just spoon feed. It's there in front of you. Take a picture of it if you have a device, you know, know it. Um, if, a, if an evaluator comes in, hey, where's the learning target? It's right there on the board. But do they grasp it? Do they understand it? I, I've always struggled with that idea that we're putting it on the board for all the wrong reasons or putting it out in front of kids for all the, re all the wrong reasons instead of leading them to it 
and letting them kind of discover what the the learning target is. What do you what do you think? I mean, I don't think I'm on the opposite side of this or the research. I just I think there's a different perspective on this one that that we have to ponder. Yeah. So um, there there are a couple of great things that you were talking about. Number one is you know why do we put the learning target on the board? Why do we communicate learning targets? And and I think. You're right. A lot of teachers put them on the board and discuss those learning targets just to, you know, have it on there. So when the principal comes in for checks, it's up there. Right. And number two, um, the idea of discovery learning, you know, can be a powerful thing. Um, However, in many cases, what we're trying to do is prime the pump. As I had kind of mentioned before, when you prime the pump, you help students categorize, okay, today we're learning this formula that does this, uh, or today we're learning about this topic, uh, this concept. And so when, when students, you know, they need to practice retrieval, they need to come back to that, they need to think about it, and, and it helps them organize uh, their model of the world, their model of learning. And, and so I'm not Two against really putting that, you know, allowing them to kind of discover where we're going with this. And then you put that target on the on the board at the end of the day and say, hey, we're learning about this concept. You know, this is what we're focused on. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I do think, um, you know, at the very basic of thing and and let me say this, you know, direct instruction is really powerful. Um, That would be number two on my list of, you know, Hattie and Marzano agree on this stuff. And and I really think, you know, even if they don't understand at the beginning of the class, but they understand at the end, remember, we have tickets out the door. Uh, We have lots of formative assessments that we do before the kids leave the class that really need to be aligned to that learning target, to the main concept of the day is kind of where I'm going with that. When we talk about direct instruction, it's, you know, with the COVID situation and lots of teachers, schools choosing to use that artificial intelligence, adaptive software where kids are just online getting drilled and, and then it's adapting to them. That's all great, but there, it, it takes away from the value of a teacher, if you will. And so the, the true value of direct instruction is important to remember that we can't be all video games. We can't be all um, hook onto your computer and, and watch a YouTube video. And just in that sense, there has to be some conversations. There has to be some, some pieces to that. And so, you know, Joe, when you bring that up there, that idea of, of leading them into it, and then I, I still come back to the simplest question. And, and I think all teachers, whether they're pre-service or, or been in it for, you know, been on the horse for a long time, should be able to answer to a kid, what do I need to learn this for? And unfortunately, there are probably some things in, in our curriculum across, <laughs> across kindergarten all the way up to, to the ivory tower um, in UW that we teach kids that there maybe is no purpose for. And if we can't answer that question, then direct instruction, why are we learning it? Okay, it gets us to the next step it gets you to pass this test. Like, well, that's not necessarily that great. When you talk about priming the pump and connecting things, that's not connecting things. How do we make sure to let our teachers make sure we're working to connect to those things? Joe, before I hand it off to you, though, I just always think about 
unfortunately, sometimes I think teachers are good at what we do, but we're the worst students in the world. Because I think if we walked into a professional development and they started teaching us anything and we said, well, why are we need to know this? They said, well, I can't really tell you, or I'm not sure that you're ever going to use this again. I'm pretty sure most teachers would be checked out. So do as I say, not as we do. I don't know where, what do you think on all that, Joe? Well, I have to tell you, you know, there's, there's a good reason that the whole I do, we do, you do, you know, that basic model for direct instruction, uh, why that, you know, exists and, and why it's effective, you know, all the way through K through Ivory Tower, right? And, and you mentioned um, it's so important to begin with the why. And as a teacher, if you can't connect those dots, um, then, you know, the why of learning, then it, then it becomes really difficult for the students to uh, say, hey, this is important and this is how it's applicable in my life. Because what do we want the students to do? We want them to apply it. We want them to apply information. And this really goes into number three on our list, James, support student active learning. And it's about scaffolding activities from the surface level to the deep levels to allow time for students to engage with the content. And so, you know, back to number two, tell them what they need to know, you know, back to number one, set the goals for the, you know, the, the day, the course of, of learning. But here it is now, scaffold that activity so that they, they get to those levels of knowledge, they go to understanding, and then they can apply and the only way to apply, really, that sets the why. That sets the, you know, um, why am I learning this? Let's transfer this to a real world context, right? Um, so I don't know, is that, is that helpful? And, you know, how do, we, how do we get to that engaging, active learning in the classroom? Joe, the one piece that you said there that I just jumps out at me is the real world, okay? The real world engaging piece of this puzzle and, and how do we get to real world? Well, the cool part about technology, great instruction is going to be great instruction. But the cool part about technology is we can engage kids in so many more ways. We can get access to, you know, 10 million books versus just what our, our library has. We can access different um, people, if you will, we can access different, different things along the way to truly try to engage our kids and make that content relevant. And so in building that scaffolding, we can give them the opportunity to look for those different means. It, we don't all have to read the exact same book. We don't all have to read, you know, do this exact same thing. Cause that's all we have access to. Now I can pull in all sorts of different things to really get kids to a deeper level. And, and, you know, when we think back to this, this COVID piece and, and we think about parents, parents often could be the, the greatest or the best teacher that a kid has in a lot of things. And if they could just be in the classroom and just be their teacher with all the knowledge they have, they have that golden nugget of stuff. They know how to relate to their kiddo. They know they like dinosaurs. They know they like football. They know they like all these things that a classroom of hundred, we may not know. But using technology on the front end to, to get some of that information and being able to connect it on the back end and, and get kids access to that, wowzers. Now, now we can let them be active in the learning process. And so th those, those pieces kind of come together, get me all excited uh, when, when you 
we get past the direct instruction and the learning target, the active learning. Because in the end, you don't learn anything unless you're engaged in the process. Otherwise, you're just jumping through hoops. And I don't know about you, Joe, but I don't want to be on a horse jumping through hoops because there's a fair chance I'm getting bucked off sometime. Right. But but you mentioned it. I mean, and let's talk about the horse. You know, if you want a horse that jumps through hoops, James, you got to start with groundwork. You got to start, you know, with will the horse follow me? Will the horse move left and right when I ask it to? Um, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you're not jumping on a new horse and jumping through hoops without that solid groundwork. And that's the scaffolding, right? You know, and if we're talking about horses too, hey, let me say this, what works for horses, what works for kids, feedback, you know, along the way, along that path, scaffolding those pieces from, from basic level to more in-depth, evaluative, uh, you know, an analytical, evaluative, summative, and creative pieces for engaging that learner, you've got to give feedback. And, and this can be online and in class, doesn't matter what, you've got to give, you know, what was right, what was wrong, and how to improve. It's got to be genuine feedback. It's got to be right on, on focus, uh, the focus of the learning target. And let me say this, James, timely. If it's not timely, especially for learners who are struggling, uh, you're going to have way more issues. And if you set a, a, a class that has a, uh, a focus on feedback, uh, the kids will learn better and they'll learn a whole lot more. Joe, you, you bring up such a great, you know, is this, this conversation, we just, it's been like a whirlwind in Wyoming wind right now. And so it might, we're going to have to pick this conversation up and keep it going. But uh, you think about that feedback piece and that feedback is so important. And, and, and on that, I think as a teacher, I don't remember having a lot of classes on how to give quality feedback. And so students aren't very good necessarily at taking some of those constructive criticisms, nor are adults. But we, maybe that's a piece that's changed since I was in school, because, you know, that was a long time ago. But the idea of how to give that quality feedback to help kids that, especially kids that are coming from challenging situations, how do we give them feedback that's positive, constructive, timely, all of that? Maybe... Wow, who knows? That may, might, might be a conversation all in itself as this ride comes to an end, Joe. Woo, doggies. This has been a fast ride, though. Uh, I can't I, – 20 minutes just went by just like that. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, way too fast. You know, we got lots more to talk about. We're going to have to come back with a part two here. Uh, I, we got lots more research to dig through. And, you know, like you said, heck, we could spend an entire day just talking about feedback. That's for sure. So I, I don't know. I'm ready to hit another ride, maybe another day, huh? Uh, me too, Joe. I just, I just get excited about how, how we can make learning and education more than a business, more than a building, something that is, is truly valuable and awesome, awesome, awesome for, for kiddos. So, hey, it, and as this thing gets out and you're out there listening, you, you got some ideas to talk about. Please don't hesitate to let us know. We're, we're excited to hear your ideas and input on this topic as well as all the rest that we talk about. But with that, it's time to bring the ride to an end. So we'll talk to you soon. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Move them on. And head them up. Cowboy Ed on the ride.